0: Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond?
1: Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. It's episode 35 of the MMA Outsiders. That's Sam Bando, and I'm Tom Albano, as always. And, Sam, this was a really entertaining uh, weekend of fights. This is what I call the night of the knockout. You had a knockout in boxing, a knockout in Bellator MMA, a knockout in UFC. A uh, pretty entertaining weekend of fights. And we're coming up on a weekend that's very flat.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about how great of a weekend this was, if you're a hardcore combat sports fan, uh, this was the weekend for you. You had a little bit of everything both on Friday and Saturday night. Um, Again, uh, I am Zan Mando, that is Tom Elbe, and uh, glad to be back here for episode 35. Before we get into everything and more that was this past weekend, be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, Be sure to share the show everywhere you can follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network at ETB Network. You can follow this very show at MMA Outsiders ETB. And if you don't want to see our faces every single week, you can listen to the audio-only version of this podcast and all the other podcasts associated with the Empty the Bench Podcast Network on anywhere where you get your podcasts, so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your preference. You can take MMA Outsiders and the entire ETB library wherever you go.
1: And on the uh, flip, if you are listening on the audio platforms, don't forget to check out the YouTube to see the video feed and to give a like and subscribe as you do on the YouTube.
0: Yeah, of course, and obviously, as you guys all know, uh, I'm Sam Bando. I'm a staff writer at com and the newest member of the Bellator rankings panel, which I can't believe I'm still saying that but you'll get you'll get to see a lot more of my input there as the weeks and months go along so you can find my work there and then that's tom to my left you can find his work over fan mma tom you want to talk about this upcoming meeting doll this past weekend was anything but that uh we, we we had to get into so let's start with what happened in vegas on saturday night shall we
1: yeah let's do it so Javanta Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia, it was the fight that plenty of people were talking about and are still talking about. And, well, Zan, I think you kind of called it last week. You said this was going to go about seven or eight rounds, and it went seven. And Tank Davis getting the finish, getting the knockout with, uh, as you kind of alluded to in our our social media promo, a liver shot that would make Boss Rudin smile.
0: Yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm grateful they've called this. Uh, I did not I did not bet on it personally because I think I would have made a decent chunk of change had I bet the range of around seventh through ten. But no, and the, nonetheless, a uh, very very entertaining fight. This fight definitely lived up to the billing and uh, some surprising numbers. Before we get into the fight itself, uh, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia are going to be very happy with their this most earnings Tank Davis taking home about $5 million, while Ryan Garcia took home about $2.5 This is the fight that boxing needed, in my opinion, going into this fight. He's two to work mine 51-0. Obviously, now Tank Davis with 27 knockouts. Ryan Garcia in the realm of about 19 or so. This, this was a fight that uh, the fans were clamoring for. And despite all the criticism with the rehydration clauses, and whatnot. I really do think this fight lived up to the billing and just overall shows that in my opinion, no disrespect to the glamorous heavyweight division of sorts, but I think that this performance and um and, and I said it I, I think across social media a couple of times, I really do think that this performance does solidify Javante Tang Davis as the face of boxing. And I also think it opens the door for some major, major fights in the future. And I'm going to be watching very closely to see what happens on May 20th when Devin Haney and Vasily Womachenko fight at the MGM Grand, because now with Haney having all of his titles, you could have those two fight for all the marbles to really determine who the baddest lightweight in the world is and who the best fighter at 140 is. I think it's all very exciting and, you know, a fight that I think a lot of people were excited about, a little bit of a smaller UFC card, so that helped. And, you know, just overall fight where I just think Tank Davis had his number pretty much the whole fight. I only gave uh, Ryan Garcia one round personally, and I I just think overall Tank Davis dominated the fight, used his lateral movement very well, used his jabs very well, landed 48% of his power shots. It's only 42% for Garcia landing, 18 body, body blows. Of course, the 18th one being the deciding factor. And just one of those highlight reel knockouts that we'll look back on as the year goes on. and We'll say, yeah, that was one of the best knockouts of 2023 and probably one of the best boxing knockouts of the last several years. So overall, a very good night for all parties involved.
1: For sure. Uh, yeah, I'm actually pulling up, Zan, my uh, little live round-by-round updates I did for uh, fans I did to uh, see, check my scorecards on there. Um, I think I gave Garcia, I gave Garcia the first, the second, we saw the knockdown from Davis and that's when you kind of, Zan, I, it, it seemed pretty early on that Davis was going to be in control because I mean, credit to Garcia, he brought the power right away. He tried to take control of the fight very early on. And then tank Davis I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a flash knockdown because it took Garcia a couple of seconds to get up, but it was it was pretty lightning quick that all of a sudden Tank uh, nailed him with a uh, with a left hand that dropped him, and all of a sudden the second round the momentum had swung. You had a little bit of a slower pace round, but actually, Zan, as you kind of alluded to, that third fourth round you started to see uh, Tank with some display some great footwork, cut off the ring. Uh, you saw Davis maybe start to let his hands go a little more again as we got to the halfway point of the fight. I mean, and I say halfway point in the in that it was scheduled for 12 rounds, so about fifth, sixth rounds. And then seventh round, I kind of had a mirror with the second round where you had Garcia going, you know, I don't want to say hog wild, but you had him going aggressive, trying to, trying to uh, land the power shots, maybe get a knockdown on Davis to try to Try to get that point back and then quick left hand right to the liver. And it would seem like a delayed kind of reaction. Sometimes you see that with these liver shots uh, and shots of the body that it's a really hard shot. They look okay, and then they just go down like that. It's like it's been described and not not, just not referring to this uh, this knockout. I'm referring to just any knockout with the body and especially the liver that it's like the body very slowly starts to shut down. It's almost like it falls in slow motion.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, this is something that I alluded to in a piece that probably will be self-published by me in the future. I did a a column for one of my graduate school classes. And basically what I said in there was, um, you know, Garcia fell to his knees thinking it was just a breather when in fact it was the end of the fight and the end of – probably the biggest buildup to a boxing match that we've seen in several years. Um, And that's literally what happened. It was almost like it happened in slow motion. I'm going to be completely honest with you and I'm an idiot for saying this, but I will admit it. I missed the initial body shot when he threw it. I literally thought it was something else. I had thought that he had thrown something low. I was like, wait a second. Where's the referee? Why is the referee not intervening like I, I thought I thought he had committed a foul. If-
1: Suzanne, I didn't think he committed a foul, but I also missed the body. I, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what happened? What did he get hit with? Like I it took me like, wait a minute, what in the world? And then it just like ended, and then I had to see the replay. I'm like, Oh liver.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um but oh yeah, overall though, uh, a, a very good fight. I wanted to ask you because this is now coming out uh, several days after the fight, the whole mole controversy. Do you think that when Ryan Garcia is claiming that there was a that there was a mole in his camp that Tank Davis knew extra information that, that that maybe that that maybe was used to his advantage, or do you think that Garcia is trying to stir something that 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 isn't that isn't there and quite frankly shouldn't be talked about? Because here's my theory: rehydration clause are not. Javante Davis is the better fighter, more not auntie Davis is the better fighter. And let's, let, let's be honest, even the most casual boxing fan should know that, and I and I hate to use the word casual, but I'm just going to use it in this instance. Even the most casual boxing fan should know that if you look at Ryan Garcia and Javante Davis' records and opponents side by side, there's no comparison. Tank Davis has fought much tougher competition his last, like, five or six fights have been against huge names, all in high-profile spots. He's now have, like, two, two or three pay-per-views now. he He's definitely where he deserves to be, and I don't think anything should be knocked on him. I think his 29-0 record is very legit, and 27 knockouts, especially in this day and age when it's hard to win every fight, even ultra, ultra impressive. I I
1: understand those who are essentially in the corner of Ryan Garcia for that, you know, maybe it was something about the outside the ring troubles that we have seen from Tank Davis, be that say, as of late, the domestic violence issues that he's had. However, as you kind of alluded to Zan, I mean, if you look at, from a pure boxing perspective that they're at their resumes, Trevonta Tank Davis, you know, I mean, Tank Davis, uh, Obviously promoted by Floyd Mayweather, Ryan Garcia, the former buddy of Canelo Alvarez, and under Golden Boy before both sides had a had a very public and nasty split. Uh Tank Davis, three weight classes, world champion. Ryan Garcia, you know, he's still only twenty-three, twenty-four. He's still getting there. You know, like this was a good experience fight for him. And heaven he's for twenty
0: four he's twenty-four and Davis is twenty-eight.
1: And heaven forbid Garcia, you know, doesn't get to the level of this kind of fight again, which I doubt. I think there could be, you know, another one of these fights down in the future. But, you know, for him, this was the kind of fight that was needed. And Zand, as you kind of alluded to, this was the kind of fight that boxing needed. Just the thrill and the atmosphere and all the talk from, you know, purists and hardcore combat fans and, as you alluded to the casual audience, uh, like this was this was the kind of magic that is missing, Zan. On this show, we constantly use this one. We constantly say how boxing gets in its own way. Well, Zan, this is a very rare case where boxing didn't where, get it, its own where,
0: way. Where, where it did not exactly. And you know, this fight is big when it's being talked about amongst crossover stars from every sport. You talk about. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. as an example. You talk about Saquon Barkley as an example. You talk about actors and YouTubers interested in the fight. Uh, um, Jay Dion, for example, Mark Wahlberg, um, Mar- Mario Lopez, Andrew Tate, Dana White. I mean, this fight had stars that at this fight and who were watching this fight that at any other fight you wouldn't see, but you saw all of these stars come out. And you know why? It's because Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia have the kind of personalities that draw you in. You could be our age, you could be a little older, you could be five or six years younger than us. There was there was an audience for this fight that spanned several generations that you just don't see in this in this sport and in this kind of environment in sports really ever where you have multiple generations tuning into one fight where the whole world stops and it felt like this was one of those fights. And as I alluded to last week, this is a fight I've been excited about for over a year. And to see it go the way that it did and for it to finally go off without a hitch and to see the press conferences be as hilarious as they were. I mean, I really do think in all parties involved, zone PVC, Showtime, they all hit a home run on this and he should be very proud, of, according to some very Um, good sources across the boxing Twitter sphere, the pay-per-view numbers in their words um, exceeded expectations. I also saw another adjective used to describe that they crushed expectations so I'm excited to see how they did both on streaming and on linear. so overall Overall. a great night for the sport of boxing and without a doubt Las Vegas was the place to do it and to have over 20,800 people pack that place from all over the world is pretty cool to see and uh that's not going to be the last big fight that either of those guys are going to be in, and I just feel like at some point down the line these two are going to have to fight again because, as as you and I both know, it takes two to tango. Um, it's it, it it takes one to make a great dance partner, and Ryan Garcia needed Javante Davis, and Javante Davis needed Ryan Garcia, and that's what that's what we
1: got. And the money and Zan, the money is always in the rematch.
0: Absolutely you want to talk about 5 million for Davis and 2.5 million for Garcia? Maybe, maybe try to Maybe try to double that the next, the, the, the next time these two fight, because the more, the more money that's at stake, the more interested both of them are going to be in that fight. And you have a huge backstory to hold on this, on this second fight. You could talk about the rehydration clause. You could build it up with the mole. You could build it up with was the liver shot controversial. You have so many different angles for the rematch that I think it's a promoter's dream. If, if, if you have a fight in your in your in your lap again, and 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 you and you fumble the bag, shame on you. But I just think if they if they ever fight again, they're going to have a huge storyline to to back up. what was a very good first fight, and and I happen to disagree with the people that say it was boring. I actually I actually enjoyed it.
1: It was it was fun fight. I can't believe some people thought. It was boring. Now, as far as the mole uh, questions, Dan, because you answered that, I didn't get a chance. I mean, you asked that, I didn't get a chance to answer it. Yeah. No, I don't believe believe there was really a mole in the camp, and you want to talk about the rehydration clause and all that. I mean, Dan, I think if you're going to talk about that stuff, you're going to have to talk about Ryan Garcia's post-fight interview because the post-fight interview was not a good look for Garcia at all. It kind of felt like it kind of felt like, and I'm not saying that he did, but it kind of, if someone could look at those comments and say, well, he basically quit. Now, those of you who have never been hit with a liver shot, it's brutal. It is absolutely yeah, it's not.
0: Yeah, it's not fun.
1: It, 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 like I said, it basically is a whole shutdown of the body to the point where it seemed like he couldn't breathe. But I don't know if the interview was more of along the lines of that he was still trying to catch his breath from the liver shot, or if he just had no explanations for what has happened. I mean, wasn't exactly a great look, but Garcia, as I said, is young. He'll bounce back from this. And, you know, he has an interim title. He was the I mean, he had an interim title. He was the WBC interim champion after finishing uh, Luke Campbell back in the start of 2021. But I've got a feeling, Zan Ryan Garcia is eventually going to get uh, a world ch- undisputed championship in boxing. Whether it be at lightweight, whether it be at super featherweight, junior lightweight, he's going to—I mean, a uh, uh, super lightweight—he's going to get a championship at some point.
0: All, although this was for the WBA uh, regular lightweight title, do you think that? Do you think that there's a chance that when these two fight again, that this belt will still be on the line at some point?
1: no because as much as i as much as i don't you know we didn't have to use this for this fight then you you know how the championships are with with the sport
0: for sure for sure but hey at least the wba lightweight division has its king now it is Gervonta davis which now means we do have to look ahead um there, there's obviously a lot of talks of who geronte uh, davis could fight next Um, Tom, in my opinion, the most logical choice would be the winner of Devin Haney versus Vasily Momachenko because, let's be honest, that fight sells itself. And, of course, you have Devin Haney, who is from Las Vegas, so it's a no-brainer that if Devin Haney wins that fight, you have to do Haney versus Tank in Vegas to see if the Baltimore kid could defeat the, the hometown heroes or to speak, and in my opinion, what would be the biggest lightweight title fight in probably the last seven or eight years, maybe in the last ten to fifteen years? I just think that's the next logical step, and I think it'll keep the lightweight division moving if they decide to go that route. However, I do think that Tank will probably take another fight in between. Then it's just a matter of who it'll be and where it'll be and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. So, Dan, I, I actually it's funny you say that. I just pulled up on my phone the WBA rankings. Now, uh, unfortunately, this is only as of the end of March. Obviously, we're approaching the end of April. And so there's probably going to be some moving pieces. But as you kind of alluded to, we got Haney as the WBA super champion, who is the undisputed champion at 100 uh, at 135 pounds. Javante Davis, the regular champion, as we alluded to, the W because of WBA, for some reason, still has to have a super and a regular champion. You would hope, as you kind of alluded to, Zan, that maybe those two will end up fighting. Um, but you look at the rest there. I mean, number one was Ryan Garcia, who he just knocked off. You got Frank Martin, who maybe, if anything, Zan, maybe that's the fight in between. I could see Davis easily uh, taking off uh, Martin. You got William Zapata, who again, not a who actually not a bad match, but no comparison between Tank and Zapata. I think Sam, what's gonna be interesting is if Lomachenko upsets Haney in uh, next month.
0: Yeah, I mean I personally think that uh I personally think that all the overseas purists, if you will, are gonna be jacked up because they would wanna send they would wanna send Davis over there to fight him instead of having Vasily Lomachenko come to America for for that fight because they know they can make a lot more money if they do it internationally and in prime time. So for the international crowd, it might be better business wise if Lomachenko wins, but that's why they do these fights. So we'll, we'll see. I just think personally, uh, not Davis, but Haney is quicker than Lomachenko. He's slightly Mm -hmm. a few years younger. Uh, He has a lot more, uh, he has, I think a, a better gas tank. And I just think overall, you know, going to Australia and fighting in enemy territory against Cambosis when he did, I think he's going to be mentally prepared to be back in the United States again. I just don't see this fight going well for Loma, and I think the only way he, he wins this fight, will obviously preview it more as the fight rolls around in a month. But I do think that unless Loma goes the distance with uh, Haney, it's not it's it's not going to go well.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. My early prediction on that one is Haney. Uh, I mean, Loma is still an incredible lightweight, but he's not at the, you know, same hype and everything that he was 2017, 2018, where he was taking over the sport. My thing, Zan, that's going to be interesting because I have one more look here with the WBA rankings, is under Lomachenko, a man who had conquered featherweight and moved up, you still got Shakur Stevenson. I wonder what happens then if in the next year Shaker Stevenson breaks into this top two, top three, and if he, you know, shakes up all the plans.
0: Yeah, I mean that's a fight that uh if that would ever happen, I would try my absolute hardest to be there because those are my those are two of my favorite boxers. So whenever that fight happens, I, I I'm I'm all in for that.
1: For sure. All right. A lot of good stuff to talk about with boxing this week. This is actually a good boxing week. It's not a it's not a story where we're actually grappling on boxing for once. Hallelujah.
0: For sure and uh for those of you who missed it, uh the full fight highlights are on Dizone's YouTube channel. So go feel free to check them out uh if you haven't already. And uh just just as a just as a quick reminder um as well, um assuming that uh, assuming that it does uh, take place just feel free to continue to follow um, with what's happening in this division because I do think it's quickly becoming one of the most exciting divisions in boxing as it's going for a bit of a mini resurgence where you're seeing a lot more talent than usual and uh, hopefully we'll get some bigger fights and other weight classes down the road but that's a story for another episode so again in a nutshell Tank Davis is still the king of the WBA regular lightweight division knocking out Ryan Garcia previously undefeated in seven rounds with a devastating liver shot. So congratulations to Leonard Ellerby, Floyd Mayweather, and Team Davis for getting the job done as, as Tom and I both thought they would. However, my prediction was a little bit closer than his. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You got to rub that in. <laughs> I had to. I, I had when I when, when that when that knockout happened I had to find that and play it over and over and over and over again. Cuz was like what did I say? <laughs> oh, don't worry.
1: Uh I oh, don't worry. I I'm, I'm going to have some fun this week. For, uh because first of all, if Nick Borgerson is watching this, uh here's a sound you're going to be hearing very soon over and over again. X Mr. Jets fan and second of all, Zan, I think you were having a good week, and Elon decided. Ah, no, I need to. I need to crap on this guy's week, some.
0: Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who who have been living under a rock, I guess I can say that i um, I was I was legitimately verified for nearly two years. I was coming up on my two year anniversary in July, and unfortunately, with all of the new Twitter stipulations, my legitimate blue check mark which I had worked very hard to earn over the last 10 years was taken away. So I am back to being Zan Bando with an unfiltered opinion. Am I still as legitimate as ever? I would, I would say so, but I don't have that uh, uh, official license. If we want to, if we want to call it that as, as uh, as you got to
1: cough up the eight bucks to get that license back. (laughs) I,
0: I, I, I suppose, however, uh, if you do that now, apparently you're getting, uh, you're getting canceled. So I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait a while on that. Um,
1: <laughs> you're going to, you're going to get the blue uh, blue check mark again, and you're going to get the replies, you know, that meme, this MF are paid for Twitter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And that's the, uh, and that's the, and that's the last thing I want to, I want to deal with. Um, and, and by the way, it's absolutely hilarious uh, turning this back to MMA, that if you go on Dana White's Twitter account and you click on his blue check, it says that he subscribed to Twitter Blue too. So he, so it's so funny that some accounts like have affiliations with the company they work for, and then other ones don't. It is, happens to be one of the few that actually doesn't, which is which is pretty crazy in my opinion. Well, um, of,
1: well Sand, I I, th- I think this is actually a good transition. Speaking of crazy, and speaking of things uh, happening, so before we get into the other recaps, uh, Nate Diaz getting involved in a street fight.
0: Uh yeah, the, fight this
1: weekend. In addition to all the ones we're recapping.
0: Uh yeah, there was another fight this weekend taking place across the country in New Orleans, and it did not happen in a in a in a sanctioned venue of sorts. It, it took place right outside of Misfits Boxing in New Orleans. It all stemmed from Nate Diaz throwing a water bottle, and then it got all crazy. Yeah, Nate Diaz has
1: a history of throwing water bottles.
0: Yeah, the most infamous one being UFC 202 ahead of his rematch with Conor McGregor. If you have not seen that, look that up for yourself. It's one of the wildest sequences you will ever see in the sport of MMA. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, Nate Diaz got into a little bit of an altercation with a Logan Paul look alike who apparently is TikTok famous which I didn't even I didn't even know that. And uh yeah, I mean apparently Nate Diaz was charged after and uh mm-hmm. Nate did what he knows to do, which is fight someone. So that's exactly what he did. And uh he he wrestled him and choked him out and uh it was just a crazy brawl. If you guys have not seen it it's all over the internet. New angles are coming out. But the big story out of that is there is an arrest warrant out for an Diaz by the New Orleans Police Department as he has been charged with second-degree battery. And if convicted, could face up to eight years in, in, in jail. So,
1: so, I mean, if you look at the footage, Sam, if you look at one of the alternate angles, by the way, the name of that impersonator, a Logan Paul impersonator, I believe, is Rodney Peterson. And so, uh, you see, Mister. if you look at one of the altered angles, if you you look at one angle, the main angle from when that video first broke out, yeah, wasn't a good look for Nate. However, you look at that altered angle, and you can kind of understand why he's making the claim of self-defense, because Peterson does uh, come after him. And Nate Diaz, well, like you said, he does the one thing that he loves to do and does best, and that's fight, And he laid a, a good whipping in on Peter. Now, whether you think maybe he did enough or that he went overboard is debatable. But now he's got this second degree battery charge. He's claiming the self defense. And then here is what I am going to say regardless of whether Nate Diaz is innocent or not, and he is innocent until proven guilty, as is, as is yeah. here in America. Right. But. Now that you've got all these legal issues that are about to play out, this gets me a little nervous about him versus Logan Paul taking place in I mean Jake Paul taking place in August.
0: I was gonna I was gonna say if he was actually gonna fight Logan Paul, this would be the most outrageous build-up to a boxing pitch we've ever seen.
1: He, he takes out the lookalike and then he takes out the real guy. <laughs>
0: But yeah, to, um, to clarify, we're not I'm crazy. He is scheduled to fight Jake Paul in early August, um, in, in, in Dallas, De- Texas. So for any of you who wanted to, who wanted to shut this off, um, stay with us because all we were, all we were doing was accidentally joking. Um, <laughs> the nonetheless, nonetheless though. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you should be work. I mean, we're literally, what, less than four months out from the fight now and, uh, The fight was just announced. What a week and a half ago? Yeah, Yeah, it's 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 definitely, yeah, it's definitely not a good look for the partners at DAZN, especially since DAZN just had what is what is presumably a money making machine weekend with Davis and Garcia, and they have another one with Canelo and Ryder coming up in May. This is
1: sorry, Zan. I was gonna say, but bear in mind about the Tank uh, Garcia one. That one was in conjunction with Showtime. This is Diaz versus uh, Diaz versus Jake Paul is going to be them by themselves with nothing true. to.
0: Very, very true. There's nothing to 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 back them up in regards to another network. That that makes that makes a lot of sense. Still, though, they're they're in a situation where they just came off of a huge weekend, and this is like one of their next big fights. And the last thing they want is this fight to go up in smoke, which. Apparently according to Nate Diaz's Twitter he no, lo- he no longer wants to fight Jake Paul. <laughs> so I don't know what the heck's going on all we know is that Nate Diaz is back in the news again. <laughs> it's it's crazy because it always is and uh, to put it lightly this is a this is a developing story to say to say the least.
1: And now KSI wants in on the Paul brothers again.
0: Because KSI's waiting for a payday. I see, I, I see, I see what it is.
1: Even though KSI and Logan Paul are also business partners with The Prime. Uh...
0: Oh, and just as, I, it's just as I'm
1: praising boxing, I hate the sport again.
0: And this is why we shouldn't overly talk about celebrity boxing, but we do anyway because it's in the news.
1: (laughs) Celebrity boxing gets in its own way.
0: Celebrity in air quotes, boxing gets in its own way. (laughs)
1: Uh, uh, Yeah, so I'm nervous. Maybe Zen. maybe nothing comes of this. Maybe the fight just gets pushed back a month. I mean, if you're Dana now, are you licking your lips again at potentially like we talked about last week, August fifth, just uh sneaking in uh pay-per-view on there?
0: I think he's more focused than uh, he broke even playing chips at the casino this weekend. While, he is. while watching the fight,
1: while watching the vid- the footage of Nate Diaz.
0: Um, I mean I think I think his mind was on a lot of other things, but I bet you there's probably no way somebody in the UFC office has said, "Hey, we need to get on this August card because now there's a chance that this zone could blow up in smoke." And whether you like it or not, and uh, I've had uh, I've had some arguments with some people about this, but I'm going to stand behind my word here. I, I truly do think that Dana enjoys when his fellow streaming partners or his streaming competitors aren't doing well. So. Well, I think the one thing that he's hoping for is that this zone thing flops. So at the moment, if you're, if you're Dana White, everything's going the way you want it to. Obviously you never want to see anyone potentially get arrested, but if this fight doesn't happen, he's got to consider making August 5th a target date for a pay-per-view because if he doesn't, I think it's, I think it's his own fault. So, um, and now that we're going to get into this later, but now with UFC 1 being a fight night card near the end of July, I think it leaves the golden opportunity for August 5th being a, a pay-per-view for the UFC, uh, for, uh, for, uh, assuming it's um, UFC, what would it probably be? 91. 91. Probably
1: um Obviously, July 29th is still a question. There was still that mission, you know, Of taking that London card, making it July 29th to be a pay-per-view, but as of Tuesday night, uh, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time, still no information on what's going to happen with that July 29th uh, plan.
0: Yeah, July 29th is to be determined, but at least we know the weekend before is UFC fight night card in London, so...
1: Yeah, so that's to be determined. Everything here with Nate Diaz is still to be determined by the New Orleans Police Department and something, New Legal investigations.
0: Something tells me the fight still happens. What do you what do you think?
1: I know something's telling me the fight is still happening, but I, I do have the nerves. Because just because Dan, we kind of talked about, you know, obviously this stretches into the MMA world, but uh the Jones and Ganu what's going on right now with John Stipe, like uh, the fact that yeah, if they try to make uh, Usyk versus Fury in just like a few weeks notice and people get let down. I, the Usyk Fury one was BS because, as we said, that one was never getting done in just a few weeks notice. It, it's just like, but it's just the constant theme of big fights and letdowns. It's like, and is, then the- is this going to happen again?
0: Yeah, and then the crazy theory that Saudi Arabia is going to put up millions of dollars to have Anthony Joshua fight Deontay Wilder and have Tyson Fury fight Oleksandr Usyk on the same card. You and I both know. Oh my God! You and I, you and I, <laughs> you, you and I both know. As much as we want to see those fights, there's no way they are taking place A in Saudi Arabia and B on the same night because A. Who the heck is gonna go to that unless you are a super duper duper rich? And B, who's who's gonna buy that unless it's at a decent hour? It's not it's not gonna happen.
1: Nah, <laughs> yeah. no, absolutely not. I mean, unless you're unless you're a boxing nut or a combat sports nut. Like you or uh, like you or I are Zan.
0: Oh we would, oh we would, oh we would we would watch it. It's just a matter of I don't see how both of those fights end up on the same event. Yeah. Uh, let alone, let alone, if Saudi Arabia thinks they're insane enough um, to make sure that both of those fights top the pay-per-view, that that pay-per-view undercard better be loaded. Oh, Otherwise, by the way,
1: Zen. Sorry, by the way, typical, typical combat sports making Joshua versus Wilder when it's like five, six years too late.
0: Of course, of course, it w- Hey, Tom, it wouldn't be the sport of boxing. If promoters weren't screwing it up, right? <laughs> of course. That's
1: why we have this banner.
0: And we're going to continue to use it over and over and over and over and over again. Because that's all we can do. Nonetheless, though, boxing was the talk of the town this weekend. But we also had some MMA. We had a bunch of MMA. Um, And, of course... Let's start with the let's start with the good one here. Bellator gonna Bellator, right? We have patchy <laughs> we have Patchy Mix taking on um Rafian and of course in the most high level fashion possible, shades of Barab De, um doing it in 2015. Rafian Stots gets brutally knocked out by Apache Mix and it and it ends the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix. Winning the interim Bantamweight Championship, and now Patchy Mix will sit back and wait. Tom, you've seen a lot of Bellator knockouts in your day, as have I. you probably watched Bellator a little bit longer than I am. Is this the greatest knockout in the history of Bellator? And if it isn't, what is?
1: <laughs> uh, it's definitely up there, Zan. I have to say, this was a fun knockout to watch for Bellator. Um, Ryan Bader winning the heavyweight championship with his quick knockout to Fedor Melianenko was up there. Um, I'm not sure if I would call this the uh, knockout of the year so far. I, it's up there, but we did have, uh, who did we have? The, there was a fight earlier this year. It's kind of slipping my mind right now that we had an interesting thing uh, fight of the year. Knockout of the year kind of contender here. I'll I'll just keep talking while I look it up. Um, but it, as far as this goes, Dan, I mean, this was a very emphatic. Oh, I game. mean,
0: I mean, I mean, you don't think Daniel James's knockout is up there?
1: Uh Daniel James's knockout, yeah, is up there. I'm just trying to see. May have been the two ninety two card. It's like now I got to keep. Uh, now I got to keep looking for it. Was it the Linton Vassell one? It might have been the Linton Vassell one that was entertaining, that I said
0: it was knockout of the year contender. I would, I, I would say patchy mix tops that, given the given the stakes of the fight. In my mean, not saying the Linton Vassell fight wasn't big, because it obviously was. Um, he's, he's one of the best fighters that organization has. Oh, no, no, no,
1: no, no, no. It wasn't uh, Lorenz Larkin. That's who I was thinking of. The 290 oh, card. No right? the, the elbow goodness. knockout.
0: Oh, that one, that one was, that one was crazy. Uh, I, say, exactly. I don't know if
1: Patchy's knee beats the Lorenz's elbow. That's the thing.
0: Yeah. you Yeah. You rarely ever see an elbow knockout from a standing position, not just in Bellator, but ever in MMA. That's, that's a, that's a rare one that has a special place in the history books. So good find there. Um, um,
1: but yeah. Patchy that, like I said, this was a, a very emphatic way to, and the Bellator Bantamweight Grand Prix. He's an interim champion now. So his second chance to hold gold. Obviously not full-on gold. Uh, he came very close against Guan Archuleta in 2020. Uh, and then Guan Archuleta pulled the 0-2 comeback. Reverse sweep. But Zan, think about Patchy and the run that he had in this Grand Prix. Kyoji Horiguchi. Magomed Magomedov. And Rafi on stats. I would say Zanda, Apache Mix was the underdog in all three of those fights. He beats Horiguchi, I think by decision. He submits Magomedov, and he knocks out stats in this kind of style that he did.
0: Yeah, I mean it. It has to be. And Bellator's done a lot of tournaments, but I don't think you can tell me another run as emphatically, like, holy shit, as is as his run has been. Because if you think about it. He he beats a longtime veteran of the sport that's been around forever. He beats the supposed favorite to win the entire uh, Grand Prix to, to begin with, or at least one of the favorites that a lot of people had penciled in is going to the finals. Uh, finishes him right, mm-hmm. and then of course you have this emphatic knockout against the guy in Stotts who just won the biggest fight of his career against Danny Sabatello in a fight that was being promoted as if it was. The finals when it was just a semi final bout, which is crazy to think. Obviously, Danny Sapatel won in this exact same, uh, or or won the night before on Double Tour 294. Um, but I, but I'm just saying here, I, uh, I'm very excited because now I'll get a front row seat to Sergio Pettis versus Pitbull. And I think whoever wins that fight is going to be a very tough matchup for Mix and, uh, you just got me more excited for Bellator 297 than I have been since it was announced. The, the way that that Grand Prix ended is the same as the Sergio Pettis, uh, Patricio Pitbull fight. I'm in for one hell of a treat uh, June 16th in Chicago, which um, which has now convinced me that the Bellator Bantamweight division is, in my opinion, the best division that that promotion has and has, has made a name for itself. As, as rivaling the UFC, I know we don't really compare the, these divisions very often, but I think some of Bellator's claims are slowly but surely coming to fruition. That maybe they are, maybe some of these divisions are getting on the same level as the UFC. I certainly think. I, hey, I gotta I gotta say this, and this is gonna sound crazy, but I actually think that Apache mix ever fought Henry Cejudo in a hypothetical fight. I actually think Pat mix would give Triple C some problems. I really, I really, I really. do. I think it would be. would be a fun a fight much, to watch. Actually, I, I, I think it would be a much closer fight than you think. And uh, I'm going to say this on record right now. I actually think if Sergio Pettis ever fights Aljamain Sterling, I actually think Sterling loses that fight.
1: Oh. So you're yeah. starting to come over to the kind of side that I had last week. Where you were teasing me, oh, Fidel would be uh would be very happy for me to say that Bellator of weights could you know top the UFCs. I think Bellator's and by a mile has the better light heavyweight division.
0: Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, uh, without, oh, oh, without a doubt, the, the 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 heavyweight division is a little questionable. Don't get me wrong. I I I like Daniel James, but his his lack of MMA experience, um just in just in the last decade is a little troubling for me to say, yeah, the Bellator heavyweight division can hang with the UFCs. I mean, I don't think I don't think Tim Johnson could beat anybody in the top five. I don't know I don't know I don't know about you, but I just think that a heavyweight division would, would pose too many problems from a Bellator perspective. What do they want to do as well compared to the UFC guys going over there?
1: My point, Sand that going on your point that about the kind of tournament run that he had, Zan. I would go as far as to say you compare Patchy Mix's run in this tournament to even the Bellator when they used to do the seasonal tournaments. I think Patchy Mix had one of the best tournament runs in Bellator history, if not the best tournament run. It's probably going to be him <sighs> and Vader.
0: Uh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to disagree. I would still kind of. Side with Bader, though, considering that interim status wasn't on the line. He did become champion after that. But I do think for sure uh, Patchy Mix is either 1A or number two. So very, uh, very well said there on that
1: front. Uh, Now, if you're Patchy Mix, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the lead up to this fight. But if you're Patchy Mix, is there somebody that you are rooting for? when it comes to Sergio Pettis versus Patricio Pitbull, are you rooting for Patricio Pitbull because of the potential big fight feel? Do you think if Patricio Pitbull wins, it puts a like a little dent in the plan because you're, you know, like we talked about these guys were preparing for Sergio Pettis and now all of a sudden Patricio Pitbull comes into this mix.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think if you're patchy mix, you're rooting for the best fight possible, but you know, I think name value, you'd rather fight Pitbull. Even what he's meant to the sport of Bellator and to beat a legend like that, and to have him off your list of, you know, you know, next victims, if you will, no. I, I think I want I to. Think I think you want to root for the biggest fight possible, and I think I think Pitbull is that exact fight.
1: Fair point. Uh, Bellator two ninety five. By the way, the second of two nights in Bellator, it was the back to back. You know, the annual back to back Hawaii cards in the previous night, as you alluded, Bellator 294, the annual Bellator salute to service, salute to the troops. And Liz Carmouche, a veteran, uh, retains her women's flyweight title. Now, for those of you who missed this fight, really bizarre circumstances that we have never seen in which Deanna Bennett misses weight for the fight, but Liz Carmouche elects to put her title on the line still. And the stipulation goes in that if Bennett defeats Carmouche, the title is vacated. What do you think about that stipulation before we talk about the fight exam? Because I, you know, like I tried to show Bellator all the love possible. That this one had me saying stupid, stupid, stupid. I, I, I don't like it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think this is where the Bellator. Um making fun of memes came in because we, we've we never seen that at any level of MMA. Uh I, at least as far as I know. I mean usually how it works is usually if the in this case Carmouche didn't miss weight, Bennett did, but usually if the if the if um non title yeah usually if the champion or the challenger misses weight instantaneously the title's thrown out the window. Um, I've never seen this before. I don't know if it's just the Bellator thing. I don't, I don't know if it was something to save the card. I don't want to speculate on any sort of means like that, but I will say it's the most bizarre uh handling of a title due to a weight miss that I've seen in my near twenty years of watching MMA. And I really hope we don't see that again because it just even made the explanation of what the fight meant more confusing the more you started you know, saying it over and over again in your head. And uh, thank goodness Carmouche won in a sense, because if Bennett won, it would have been mass chaos. And then it would have been like, okay, do you do need me to rematch? Because she missed weight. Does she have to fight a, a lesser opponent? N- now that's not even a question anymore. Um, so, yeah, uh, again, the most bizarre uh, weight handling to a fight, championship or otherwise than I've ever seen in all my years of watching MMA.
1: And as you kind of alluded to, Zan, it's almost kind of a thank goodness kind of thing. I mean, on one hand, you know, you can just say, well, Bennett screwed up. She missed weight. But if, you know, Bennett had won this fight, in this case, the title would have been vacant. Had the title not been on the line, Zan, people would have still questioned Carmouche about, should she even be the champion if she had lost the what would have essentially been a non-title fight. But, he, Zan, going into that fourth round, it looked like it was Carmouche needing a finish. And I think the scorecards, the official scorecards that came out later, kind of verified Carmouche needed a finish or Bennett would have won the fight.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, a nice comeback win for Karmouche. Uh Beat someone who she should have. My talks of Deanna Bennett being one of the best Bellator women's flyweights ever. I was I was giving her high praise before her mistake. Now I'm gonna have to eat those words, unfortunately, probably forever at this point because uh when she retires this could more than likely be the biggest part of her legacy was. her missing
1: pro- sorry Xana, but the problem is that this is not even the first time that Bennett's missed weight. I think she missed weight for the first carmouche fight, Carmoosh's debut.
0: hmm Yeah, yeah, which makes it even that much worse. Um But nonetheless, um, you know, Carmouche won. Obviously, I I I I hate to use the elephant in the room, but I have to ask, um, you know, should Carmouche consider moving up in weight? I mean, I really don't see any formidable challenges for challengers for her at this flyweight weight class. Um, Cyborg is out there. I mean, is is this a fight that if you were Bellator, you would consider making?
1: The problem is, and this is where Bellator comes into the problem of not having a women's bantamweight division. Because all you have for women's divisions right now are flyweight and featherweight, which is a big 20 pound difference. That's essentially, you know, two. True.
0: True.
1: I don't know if Carmouche, you know, we've seen some struggles with Carmouche at 135. I think if she went up to 145 and fought Cyborg, I don't think it would be a, a happy ending for her. I, I think no. where, I think if you're Bellator you know obviously I mean obviously flyweight and featherweight have their own kind of worlds but if you're Bellator is the success that Carmouche and Cyborg have make you consider you know maybe we need to start a women's bantamweight division do we need 135 women in uh in Bellator
0: I mean, the issue is where would you where would you get the talent if the UFC has all the best 135 talent in the world and they don't even have a 45 division? Where do you where do you expect that Bellator gets all the talent that the UFC wants? Dan, what
1: are you talking about? We get women's featherweight rankings every week. Jed Goodman promotes the living crap out of it.
0: <laughs> I know you're. I know you're joking, but in case you guys don't know who we're talking about. Uh, Jedi Goodman is a bit of an MMA guru, a ratings aficionado, um, among other things. You can go to him for pretty much anything in the entertainment industry or the sports industry for that matter, numbers-wise, and he'll, and he'll have it. But what's made him famous is he weekly, um, every week he shares the UFC women's featherweight rankings, which are non-existent except one person. And that is the UFC women's featherweight champion, who happens to be the one and only Amanda the Lioness Nunes. And for the last two years, it's been an utter joke. So the big question is: is how is Bellator going to strike when the iron's hot, when they have nothing to strike with? (laughs) So
1: cyborg, you know, and cyborg is taking up boxing fights and stuff.
0: Yeah, no kidding. You're you're not you're not wrong.
1: Actually, uh. I got a text message from somebody who said that they got an email basically from, you know, the cyborgnation.com or whatever, promoting, you know, the Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison potential fight again. Oh, uh,
0: interesting. I think, um, I, is, wanna...
1: I think this is Cyborg's website, you know, where, because didn't she buy a site called uh, CyborgKayla.com or something like
0: that? Uh, Yeah, she like bought a bunch of domains and started just like epically trolling a bunch of fighters and Kayla Harrison was one of them.
1: Oh yeah. Judo, judo judokayla.com.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, by world. the
0: way, b- by the way, Chris Cyborg is one, of, is one of my cooler followers on Twitter. I, I just, have to, I, I, just have to, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just, I just have to throw that out there.
1: <laughs> Same. I love that. Love her. Uh, shout out Cyborg. Shout out to, Shout out to Bellator in general for just a great, you know, weekend of fights.
0: For sure, for sure. Uh, well said. A, a good weekend for uh, the number two promotion in MMA. Let's go to the. Let's go to the to the to the big tycoon of. Well, let's go to our glorious UFC Apex card, which was Apex,
1: Uf- Apex, Apex. Which
0: was <laughs> UFC Vegas seventy one which I'll admit I watched none of until the main event. Uh, I just, I, I have to throw it out there. Uh, my Saturday was a little busier during the day, so I did miss like 90% of the card, but I did catch the main event and uh, Sergey Pavlovich, man, six straight wins all by finish, knocking out Curtis Blade. So as we said, it's always on the doorstep. It's always right there in AAA, but can never get it done and move one step closer to a title shot. And in my opinion, as much as I love Curtis Blades, he's from Chicago, I really do think that this was his last chance at a potential UFC heavyweight title shot. So I have to ask you, Tom, because there are all these people on the internet. You know them just as well as I do. They want to see the UFC change their tune, and they want to see Sergey get John Jones. I'm just going to say it right here, right now. That fight will never happen. Wait,
1: wait, Zen. People want Sergey Pavlovich to fight John Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Zen is a good fight on paper. John Jones is never going to fight Sergey Pavlovich. He, especially not when Stipe, when a fight with Stepe Miocic is right there. Zen, I am buying more and more into this theory that John is going to fight Stepe, and then he is going to call it a day.
0: I, I think so too, which means wait a second here. This is where the heavyweight rankings are messed up. Why in the world is Steve Bain number three to begin with? Cyril still the number one contender at heavyweight when he when when, when he barely fights now.
1: I think San you're missing the biggest question of them all. Where does Kevin Lee fit into all this?
0: I... <laughs> uh, I mean I mean at this point uh going with going with that you're you're not you're not
1: rocking <laughs> uh yeah, but yeah Zan, again if if Jones beats Stipe and Jones retires with the title it's like the UFC will be left scratching its head of uh what do we do now? Do we give Cyril
0: Gunn another title shot? But this time all of a sudden for some odd reason Derek Lewis gets the title shot. <laughs> Uh in the knowing, the knowing the the UFC that, that might actually be more possible than you than you think.
1: And the sad part is, as you said, Sergei Pavlovich is in this land now where he's gonna be the bridesmaid and never the bride. He's gonna to have to probably fight off, you know, one or two more times before he finally gets the title shot, which is kind of you know.
0: But the question is now is who does who does Sergei fight? That's the, the, the that's the question. Who does he... Do do
1: sorry, do, do you give him gone then? Do you give him
0: Cyril gone? I mean, that would be the biggest name he's ever fought. I think it makes a lot of sense, considering that he was, at one time, the UFC interim heavyweight champion. Yeah.
1: And, and if you're really going to wait till... You know, if MSG is truly in November and you're going to wait till then for Jones-Tipe, you got to have something for Sergey to do in the meantime.
0: Yeah, but could you imagine Sergei Pavlovich winning six fights in a row and then going in and losing to Cyril Gunn?
1: That's that's the that's the bad part here. That's the risky and bad part here. It's kinda mm-hmm. kinda of, kind of disappointing.
0: Uh. Yeah, but when John Jones dictates the entire heavyweight division, there's not much you can really do but sit back and wait. Which is what which is what sergey is going to do maybe maybe with all his free time he can uh he can play uh more slots and visit vegas um, more, uh more <laughs> more often
1: he got the true gambler uh gambler in vegas experience you know he won thought he could win some more and then lost everything yep that's how it works in viva las vegas hold on uh where's my money count? there it is all right. Uh, Zan, let's close the show out with some uh, with some news pieces here and there. So we had another Dana White fight announcement video. And we now have some firm plans. Oliveira Dariush is simply going to be moved. Charles Olivera seems to be healthy enough. I mean, he obviously hurt a little hurt right now, but can, uh, according to these plans, make 289. So Olivera Dariush goes from UFC 288 co-main event to UFC 289 co-main event to help boost the fact that we're going to get Nunes versus Pena 3 in Canada in June. Yep. But the bigger then, story... The bigger,
0: uh, bigger, <laughs> bigger... Yeah, the, the bigger, bigger story is um, the Savage or the OG, whatever you want to call him. Gilbert Burns, just weeks after his last fight and weeks after a massive win against the now newly retired Jorge Masvidal, is going to turn right around and fight you guessed it the gatekeeper but wow remember the name muhammad for what seems to be quote unquote a title eliminator even though colby covington is still out there it's a little bit confusing what where the winner of this fight actually goes but hey five rounds new jersey ufc 288 looking kind of weak now you have the now you have the banger of all bangers this is like when they made gilbert burns versus hamza jamaev and made it five rounds I'm getting similar vibes here. However, with with the amount of trash talk that Bala Muhammad does, I actually think he gets um, supremely dominated in this fight. And I actually think Gilbert Burns goes in and uh, takes care of business and, and shows Dana White, Hunter Campbell, and the boys, as Dana White likes to say that Gilbert Burns is the rightful number one contender, not Kobe Covington.
1: Uh... I mean, I love this fight, Zan. As you said, it is an absolute banger. I think the thing that concerns me is the fact that, Zan, we just talked last week that Bilal seemingly wasn't going to be taking fights because we were just coming off of Ramadan. And now, here he is, and Zan, I, I know they said it supposedly in a joking fashion that, like, he and his trainer are joking that he has 11 days to lose, like, 40-something pounds, which... I don't. I think that's over-exaggerating, but I do think that the quick weight cut might be a little bit of a concern when the plan was not to fight again. But, Zan, this is a big opportunity for both these guys. Gilbert Burns, this is an opportunity, as you kind of alluded to, to tell Dana White, uh, screw Colby Covington, screw those plans for this US-UK thing that Leon doesn't even want to do. I should be the rightful number one contender. And then you've got Bilal Muhammad, who, as we said, Zan, even though it was Ramadan, was basically the odd man out of everything to the point where there were rumors that Bilal might fight Shavkat, and if Shavkat won, then there goes the streak that Bilal is on because Bilal has won like nine of ten, and Zan. the one fight he didn't win was a no contest. And again, Zan, who was that fight against?
0: Yeah the um, the big the, the the big elephant in the room. Let's put it let's put it that way.
1: The big Kahuna at 170—that is Leon Edwards. Yep. So it, you've got basically—I I mean, I kind of like this in the fact that it's five rounds. It's two talented welterweights, and this again, as you said, kind of is going to put to bed once and for all either Gilbert Burns' run towards another title shot or Bilal Muhammad, you know, and his path towards a title shot.
0: Yeah, it's a it's it's a great fight. Uh, early pick for it is Burns, but we'll see. And then hopefully Oliveira and Darius goes off without a hitch. And uh, if Oliveira wins, the lightweight is very interesting. Yeah. Let's just let's just put it that way.
1: Knocking on wood, knocking on wood. There that uh, that Oliveira versus Darius does go off at UFC uh, at UFC 289. Uh, a couple other things from Dana White's video as I'm. Trying to get everything up from our from our account. So we've got obviously we talked about these two fights. We talked about the fact that the uh, July twenty second card in London that's a fight night. Other fights announced and uh, main event for a June third card I believe at the Apex will be Jack Hermanson versus Brendan Allen. June seventeenth he got Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. June 24th, you got Josh Emmett versus Ilya Tapura. And July 1st, you've got Sean Strickland taking on Abus Magomedov, who Dana White has promoted as Nobody Wants to Fight Abus.
0: Yeah, and uh, about that, um, if you go on James Lynch's YouTube channel, he goes on a passionate rant about why Abus versus Sean Strickland makes absolutely no sense. And when you get deeper into his breakdown, and you'll understand why. But yeah, those are definitely some interesting fights. The one I'm most looking forward to is the Teporia one, though. How about How about you? Uh,
1: yeah, probably Emmett versus Teporia. Yeah, that one. Like Strickland versus Magomed uh, Magomedov. Like I want to see Magomedov fight. The fact that he's taking on Sean Strickland, who is a, you know, in the middle of the top ten of the middle rankings, and it leaves me, like, scratching my head. Like, what? That seems a little out there. So I do like that fight, and yeah, I think I do like the Josh. Emmett Really, it's the firm one the most. Uh, Vittori versus Cannonier is okay, but Zan, it's a battle of guys that Israel Adesanya has already defeated.
0: Uh, yeah, and I, and I and I think that Cannonier out wrestles Vittori and wins a decision. What do you What do you think?
1: Probably. And then you've got Jack Hermanson versus Brendan Allen, and you know guys who could be middleweight, you know, top contenders, but are not right now.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't see how Herman Henson loses that one. A good warning experience for Allen, though. What do you think?
1: Probably. Although, if Allen wins, that's a, that's a big plus in his pocket. Speaking of middleweight, Zan, one other fight announcement came. I hear something in the distance, Zan. I hear a train coming through.
0: It's oh, a- here,
1: here we go. Here, here we, go. we go. So, Drick is is gonna get the biggest opportunity of his fight career, taking on Robert the Reaper Whitaker, the former middleweight champion at UFC 290, middleweight title eliminator bout. Zan, here are my thoughts. UFC 290 just got bigger. Zan, I mean, for all the disappointment that we have with no Jones versus Stefe, they are building some pretty fire fights around UFC 290. It's just missing a cherry on top, let's say. Um, and Agree. This, like, Agree. And
0: when I And when I saw this announcement, I'm like, oh, he, he's going to be absolutely ecstatic. He's going to be so excited. So, Zan, I mean,
1: this is an absolutely fun fight. I think this is a firefight that will deliver. I'm going to throw this question at you, Zan, because I know what you're thinking with me and such, but do you think the UFC is hoping DDP pulls off the upsets.
0: I would say, yeah, because the last thing they want to do is make Izzy versus Whitaker three and have a repeat of fight number two take place.
1: And and, and again, this is, Zam. we talked about it when Adesanya beat Pereira and they said Pereira is going up to 205. This is now the concern. Does that mean Izzy is going to, I, I mean, Zam, we're just coming off a talk, conversation about the Tory versus Canonier. That Izzy has beaten both of them before. Um Marvin Vittori being twice. Is he Izzy is he really gonna go through everybody again?
0: No, I no, I doubt it. And especially if they want to make Izzy's next fight in Australia, that that du fight would do massive, massive numbers and revenue over the or it would be it would be um Without a doubt, not just the biggest fight of Duplassie's career, but probably the most international-flavored main event to take place in another city that isn't, that isn't in the United States, arguably in UFC history.
1: And Zan, again, you to talk about Australia, and I'm all for that. And I think Duplace could have a decent audience in Australia, though he'll be playing the bad guy there. But Zan, I am telling you, the UFC, if Duplassie wins this fight... I'm going to go in a little bit of different direction, although I've said it on the show before, and you know where I'm going with this. If Duplessis wins this fight, the UFC needs to find a way to book UFC Africa as soon as possible and get Duplessis, the former EFC Africa two-weight division champion and former KSW champion, against Israel Adesanya, the Nigerian-born current UFC middleweight champion, two-time as the main event of a UFC Africa card.
0: Can they, so I I agree, and I would be all for it, as would thousands of other people. People would be flocking to go to Africa for that event. You and I both know that all too well. The big question is, can they get it done before the end of this year or or the beginning of 2024? Because if they can't, that window is going to shut and it may never open again. That's That's the big issue at the moment.
1: But the big, get, I I'd say there's one bigger issue, Zan, and that's this fight. I love DDP. I would go ecstatic if he wins. I'm concerned he's gonna, you know, we've talked about with DDP, his energy. He'll throw everything out there in the first round, and then he'll tire out. And Whitaker, being an experienced former champion, and Zan, we talked about Whitaker and Holloway, the quadruple A fighter who can beat everybody but the but the champ does that mean Duplessis is in for a rough time? And subsequently talking about the thoughts that we just had, does that mean the UFC is in for a rough time? Cause they're going to have to book Adesanya versus Whitaker three.
0: Or maybe they just won't. They could, they could also go that route and just not book it at all.
1: Or do you have Izzy try 205 again? Do you have Izzy try, you know, if uh, considering whatever happens with 170, do you try and have Izzy move down to fight? A Leon, a Colby, a Gilbert, somebody to try and get the one seventy belt.
0: That's a possibility, but then if he does that, isn't he holding up the middleweight division? That's the that's the big question.
1: Yeah, UFC is in a uh, quite the head scratching of a of a situation when it comes to this card. I mean, it comes to the, this division.
0: Yeah, you know what? You know what amazes me is we get Gilbert Burns versus Muhammad is five rounds. It's amazing to me that this has not been booked as a five round. <laughs> um, well, granted, I don't know if they can, because assuming how we think it's going to go, you're going to have the two title fights at the top with the, with um with the Pantoja fight is the co-main event. And then the Volk fight is the main event. So maybe having three five round fights is not in the UFC's best interest. So
1: mm-hmm. maybe not, uh, Let's talk about one other thing, Zan, before we get to a preview of you know this weekend's UFC main event. Uh, Ray Borg. So Ray Borg was supposed to fight Kyoji Horiguchi on the Saturday 295 card. He fails to make weight, and not in a good way. Uh, and apparently there was a lot of criticism about him and how he handled the weight and the weight cutting and weight miss, and so much so, Zan. So much criticism that Bellator opted to release him from his contract. And Dominance MMA, who represented uh who represented Ray Borg, elected to part ways with him. And then Ray Borg in the aftermath of all this says, All right, I'm hanging it up.
0: Yeah, my take on this is um shame on Bellator, first off. Um, they should have never signed Ray Borg to begin with. I mean, you have that much Baggage with or weight issues, you don't deserve to be given another opportunity at the highest level of the sport when you've gone through the same rigmarole where you have almost more canceled fights than you do actual wins in the sport. I think that's pretty telling right away. And based on that fact alone, as as much as I appreciate Bellator for trying hard, this was a this was a mistake on the promotion's part. And in my opinion, he should have never been signed. And the biggest loser in this whole thing is Horiguchi because he never got his opportunity to test himself against who was thought to be one of the best fighters in his um, in his division several years ago. Is obviously not now, and uh, truly, again, the biggest loser in this whole thing is Bellator because, given his past history, in in, in my opinion, they should have, they should have never signed him. So I think it's truly a mistake on their part.
1: I understand what Bellator was trying to do as you kind of alluded to give him another chance. You know, we talk about the bantamweight division and how great it is. Add another name, another former UFC title challenger into that mix. Um, But as you kind of alluded to, Borg has had, you know, quite the history with uh, issues, not outside of the cage issues as in legal issues, but the matters he's dealt with with his family. The constant weight issues. It, Ray Borg has had a lot of, for his fault and for not, baggage that has come with him. And the Ray Borg in 2023 is a far cry from the Ray Borg that we saw 2016-2017. And so, you know, I think this was a bit of a disappointing signing for Bellator. Maybe not the smartest. And for Ray Borg, you know, you can argue maybe it was a little past due to finally call today. day.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. Um and good on dominance MMA for parting ways. It's obvious that um he th- that that as a management company they don't trust Ray Borg. And it's obvious that um uh, I'm not saying Ray Borg didn't want to fight, but it's obvious that he tried to promise something that he probably knew he couldn't deliver and that that's exactly what happened. And they tried to make this fight at 130, and he said that he could make 130, and obviously, he it didn't it didn't happen. So it just is what it is. Smart decision by Bellator to cut him, but it's almost like they it's almost like they signed him knowing what baggage could come and what was expected to happen. Unfortunately, it did happen, and it happened to be in this way. Um, and hopefully, it serves as a lesson for Bellator that they really take a harder look at these fighters that have had weight issues and other promotions, because in MMA, as you and I both know, history does repeat itself 90% of the time.
1: And Zan, I think it actually, now that you say that, is a little worse when you combine it with the fact that the 294 card that same night, because the 295 weigh-ins happened the day that 294 took place, you had the Deanna Bennett situation.
0: Right, right. So I I, th- I I think it puts a damper on what was a great weekend for Bellator, truly. And it's something that they need to just bounce back from. And they can't have that up again, especially with their high-profile back-to-back events that they do in Hawaii every year. That's kind of a bad work. So
1: Yeah, so pray that. I know they've got um, 296 coming up in May, but and, and that's a fairly big card, but still Zan. The big big card next for Bellator is two ninety seven in Chicago, and you just gotta pray that everything falls in line for that card.
0: <sighs> and it, and it, and if it doesn't, you'll be the first to hear it from me that I will be very disciplined. So mm. there's a the, there the, there's that. Um and and speaking of Bellator, for those of you who have skipped to this segment, wait. Um again, as I you last week, I am now the newest member of the. Bellator Rankings panel, the newest Bellator Rankings, came out um, as of of yesterday. This is airing uh, Wednesday morning, so you can check out um, the newest rankings on the Bellator PR Twitter page and, of course, at Bellator.com. But that's enough Bellator talk for right now. We want to get back to what is the UFC event that's coming up this weekend in Las Vegas. Another UFC Apex card, this time headlined by a pretty darn good headliner. Sawing Yudong versus Ricky Simone. Uh, this is fight of the night implications written all over it. This is a potential fight of the year implications written all over it. Tom, I don't see how this fight isn't entertaining. And I actually think Simone edges Yudong via split decision. And I think it's just a back and forth war where these two are just going to come out and blazing and they try to knock the other out. And it should be a very exciting fight.
1: Yeah, I see... Yeah, I I, I see Brawl ridden on this fight. I see, as you kind of alluded to, back and forth in this fight. I see this one. You know, I see both of them as much as they're going to go for the knockout, that this one goes the full 25 minutes. And I see a very, very tight decision. You're going to go with Simone. I am going to go with Yadong by split decision. I think it's really too close to call on this one.
0: Really, Really? it's very, it's very interesting. But hey, at least we have it both going the distance and we both think the same way that it's going to be a very entertaining fight. Um, Just so you guys are aware in the United States, early start prelims begin at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific from the apex in Vegas. And uh, this is going to end a stretch of, um, I guess you could say, quote unquote, consecutive apex shows um in a row for at least a little bit so the UFC will get back out on the road uh next weekend when we cover um what what will um what will presumably be um UFC 288 in, in Newark. So at least from a at least from a fan's perspective the UFC will get back out on the road here eventually. Well uh, with all that being said though this has been episode 35 of the MMA Outsiders. Again I'm Zan Bando. You can find my work over at bjpen.com. I'm a staff writer there. Um, you can find Tom's work over to my left, over at Fanside and MMA, where you can find his um, his, his um, every week um, up to this. Well, every week and up to the second recap coverage of all UFC and Bellator events over there, down, holding down the fort and doing a very good job over there. And um, to clarify, you did did you work double duty with UFC? Unboxing, or did you just take boxing uh, last Saturday? Uh, I
1: did double duty for boxing in Bellator. Uh, okay, I, did, yeah. I did a little bit of UFC, too. I did a little bit of UFC, too. But uh, Adam really did the recap for the main event on that one.
0: Okay, great. So you can check out um, his work there over at Fanside MMA. He's obviously doing a great job. And then, of course, we want to remind you, before we get out of here, to so please be sure to like and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Also, be sure to hit the notification bell. That way, the algorithm tells you when the MMA Outsiders is on your feed and in your feed, depending on whether or not you're listening or watching the video feed um, of the show. And, of course, if you hit the notification bell, you'll be notified whenever anything happens on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network, but not just with this podcast, but all of the other podcasts that the network hosts. Um, and And, of course, before we get out of here as well, um, you can follow the Empty The Bench Podcast Network across all social media platforms at ETV Network. And you can follow this show specifically at MMA Outsiders ETB. You can follow me at San Bando99 across Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow Tom at Thomas J. Albano and at Tom Talk Sports9. Tom, that was a loaded show with a lot of recaps. At the very least, we will have two massive cards to preview. Next weekend, which should make for a very exciting episode, is the combat sports calendar is only gonna get a little busier as we move into the month of May, if you can if you can believe it.
1: Yeah, so we went very recap heavy this week. Next week we're gonna go very preview heavy. We've got one championship and its first ever fight card on US soil with one fight night ten, headlined by Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, Adriano Moraes three, which is an now is being teased as potentially the retirement fight <clears> of <on throat> mighty mouse johnson which would be something and then of course it's UFC 2. Sure
0: yep and um and we obviously won't preview it here but of course there's uh there's impact for WWE too right on that on that same night
1: oh um uh backlash yeah the paper, the paper yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah actually then. So,
1: Zan- there is actually one more thing that we got to talk about before we resume on May 6th, uh, this weekend. So last month he had an interview with Los and the Octagon, uh, champion. Uh, for those who weren't aware, he was supposed to fight, uh, to go for champ champ status for Octagon MMA, fight for the featherweight championship. However, uh, the featherweight champion is unavailable. So now he is going for champ champ status in a different light, going for interim featherweight gold against Jacob, Kota at Octagon Forty Two, which takes place on Saturday, April twenty
0: nine. Yeah, you can check out uh, my interview with him from about a month ago. It is on the MD The Bench Podcast Network YouTube channel, and you will see a story from me previewing this fight later in the week. So stay tuned for that. That's that's another dose of MMA in your life. If you want to catch it, it'll be uh, on the Zone and on Octagon MMA's website. Uh, globally for a small fee on pay-per-view. So be sure to check that out. They always have some high-quality production and some very entertaining fights. And of course, they're trying to build their featherweight division around Kiedis, so a very important fight for him. And uh, we'll we'll see how he does
1: for sure. But as you alluded to, yeah, next weekend, one uh one championship on Friday, uh UFC two eighty eight on Saturday, along with uh WWE uh premium live event with Backlash. So <laughs> Loaded combat weekend next weekend. So
0: Oh and be- oh and of course Canelo versus Ryder in Guadalajara, Mexico.
1: Canelo, right? Next week's Canelo too. It's Cinco de Mayo weekend.
0: Yes, also, sir. Pre- yes, sir.
1: as I said, preview heavy next week. Preview heavy.
0: Very preview heavy, which means we'll be very recap heavy the following week, and we'll also preview UFC North Carolina. But that's either that's either your nor there. Um for Tom Elbano, I'm Zan Bando. Thank you again for tuning in this week. This has been, of course, um, of course, another episode of the MMA Outsiders. And before we get out of here, we just want to say, be Joe Piper.
1: Be Joe Piper. We'll see everybody next week. Take care.
0: Take care. Have a good one.